This is the Best of the Adam Gold Show podcast, brought to you by Coach Pete at Capital Financial Advisory Group. Visit us at CapitalFinancialUSA.com. It's not that hard to be a nice, to, to be a good human being. It isn't that difficult. So let's bring in one of the finest human beings that we have on this program, Chip Patterson, CBSSports.com, Cover 3 podcast, my friend. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. I don't know who you were talking about. You know, we're sitting over here trying to navigate cameras and connections, but I feel I feel sorry for this person, this man or woman that you're speaking about, because it does not sound like they're carrying themselves as an upright citizen. No, it was uh, we were discussing Aaron Rodgers and David Tepper. That's uh, it's not that hard to be a good human being. If you throw a drink on somebody, wouldn't you say, "Hey, that was a dumb thing to do." I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, if I throw a drink, you deserved it. But that's just my own way I carry myself. Uh, you know what? I believe you because uh, there, there is history there. All right. So I said it was the end of an era. Um, and I could be talking about one of two things. Let's start with Jim Harbaugh. Do you think it was the end of the Harbaugh era at Michigan Monday night? I think that Jim Harbaugh, this is not source reporting, but merely the, a guess. Um, I, I think that Jim Harbaugh will not be the head coach of Michigan, but not to, at, at the risk of being too cute. Um, I think that what will follow will be a continuation of the Jim Harbaugh era. I think that what he has done uh, specifically since really bottoming out uh, during that lost season in 2020 to rebuild the Wolverines, um, smart staff hires, you know, understanding evaluation, understanding that, you know, while he got headlines early in his head coaching career for climbing up into trees on National <laughs> Signing Day and, and doing cute high school visits and sitting in history classes, what became important to Michigan football and the reason why Michigan won a national championship was that he was able to identify players who three years in the program would be All-Americans in NFL draft picks. Players who, in the, according to their high school recruiting rankings, were high three stars, low four stars, ones who were getting overlooked by Alabama, by Georgia, and by Michigan's rival Ohio State. Um, that is where this Michigan championship was born. And when we think about you know, who would be the next head coach, again, if we're just guessing, I believe it would be Sharon Moore, mm -hmm. and I believe that Sharon Moore and the mentality of winning from the trenches out is something that can be sustained. So, yeah, I, I think that Jim Harbaugh, for a multitude of reasons, will be not there for the season opener for Michigan and possibly in the NFL. And I think that the Jim Harbaugh era, because of what's happened over the last couple of seasons, will be able to continue because of the blueprint he's put in place for the program that he loves so much. So, so here's, I, I do want to just kind of drill down on this because um, it's very possible that there won't be necessarily the right NFL gig for him this year. Ward Manuel, the, uh, I, I, yesterday I called him the general manager, uh, which is sort of the same. Uh, the athletic director at Michigan says, we want him back. So is it, do you think, that even if he can't find the right NFL gig, do you think he moves? Do you think he just takes a year off? No, 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 no. I, I think he's DTF. I think he's down to find out. 
Got okay. to find out what's out there. You know, he's he is going to listen to everybody. We are talking about a head coach who interviewed for the Minnesota Vikings on National Signing Day. Um, it's it, it is something that he is going to listen to, and I think that right now the math that I am doing in my head is that the number of jobs that are available currently six there are and potentially you know could be more. It's going to create an environment and an atmosphere that there will be an NFL organization that is willing to make an offer to Harbaugh, which would sway him. Because what I think what would sway Jim Harbaugh is not a money uh, number, where Michigan, I do think, is prepared to back up the Brinks Trust mm-hmm. for him. I think that it has to do with power. I think it has to do with personnel decisions. Uh, I don't know if he would demand specifically to also get general manager duties, but he would want that kind of guarantee from an owner. That I mean, that was really his downfall in San Francisco, the way that I understand it, was butting heads with the front office over yeah. personnel stuff. Trent Balky. You know, if, yeah, if all of a sudden San Diego, uh, Las Vegas, if these places are willing to hand over not just a head coaching position, but some real personnel front office power as well, then I think that that is something uh, that could entice him to go. There's also just a matter of, of reading the room and feeling this out, right? Just the, the, the common sense of how things go, where you worked your way to this point. You built Michigan up. Uh, you, you beat Ohio State. You won the Big Ten championship. You made it to the playoff. You made it to the playoff, and then you won the daggum thing. <laughs> the, the best way to stop having to deal with uh, those pesky folks in Indianapolis and talking about cheeseburgers and Google Glasses <laughs> and when you can or can't, uh, steel signs is, is just to take a little exit stage right. You know, this this is a time in the course of Jim Harbaugh's coaching career with the national championship under his belt that if he gets an enticing offer to now go chase that Super Bowl, I mean, I, I think that you just kind of hear the way that he has talked with such reverence about the Super Bowl and the NFL winning in the NFL at the highest levels that I think it makes sense. So again, I, I believe from you know there is not a real Jim Harbaugh camp. All of the reports you're hearing are from the NFL side. Yeah. But I do think that based on Jim Harbaugh's, Harbaugh's own actions in each of the last two off-seasons, he will interview. Oh, yeah. He will have these conversations. And if one NFL team hits everything on his list of demands, then I think he's probably off to the National Football League. I, I do wonder, because you mentioned the Chargers, it's a notoriously cheap organization. And I do wonder if Harbaugh if that matters to him because cheap isn't just with like the head coach. They, they would have fired Brandon Staley last year. Had they been willing to pay a coach not to coach? Not that, not that they, they aren't doing that anyway. Cause I think Staley's got another year left on his contract. They've, they've had to eat, but uh, the chargers are a notoriously cheap organization. I keep floating this. I think Washington is a great spot. Uh, but I haven't heard anybody agree with me. Uh, so maybe there's zero interest on the part of Josh Harris. But I think Washington would what, what about the Chargers? What about on the field? You'd be taking Justin Herbert, Rashawn Slater, a top 10 offensive lineman. You'd be taking on Bosa. You'd be taking on Derwin yeah. James. Oh, they've got like the you, players. Yeah. But you, you also have to I'm, keep the players. But I, I think that that's what you'd be. That's where I would take um, San Diego over Washington. Because I think that the pieces you'd be working with in year one are more advanced down the line towards playing winning football. I, like if it if it's only about personnel, 
then the Chargers are the choice. I mean, absolutely the choice if it's about personnel. Um, right. I, I just, to me, Harbaugh, it's, it probably is about more than personnel, but I don't know. I, I have literally have no clue. I, but real, real quick, I want to wrap up uh, our conversation on Jim Harbaugh because I think that he is on the very short list of elite coaches. And if he stayed in college, there's no reason why Michigan doesn't become part of the um, Alabama, Georgia, I guess to an extent, Ohio State, of, of the, the teams that are always mentioned as, yep, they can win it. They're good enough. I think Harbaugh is that good. Adam Gold in studio with my man, Coach Pete Deruta, Capital Financial Advisory Group. Oh, it's on your website, and I love the term financial termites because there are always things eating at your money that you can't see. So you don't want financial termites. Termites in the financial world are risk, fees, unnecessary commissions. All the bad things that we see and we hear about on TV are happening many times inside your portfolio you don't see. So you need a financial exterminator. Well, for the next 10 of you to call, we'll put together for you your very own total retirement plan at no cost. Call 888-843-0013. Or text Adam to 600-700. Adam Gold is a paid spokesman. Investment advisory services offered by Capital Financial Advisory Group, a North Carolina registered investment advisor. Yes and no. Um, the reason why Michigan is never going to be mentioned with Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, and that's where I'll cut that list off, is because they're not recruiting like them. I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, it's more about evaluation and player development, and that does speak to the coaching. I do think that Michigan has raised its floor such that we do think that you know, they could have a down year, and that down year might be a 9-3. and three, But it is going to be an interesting 2024 Harbaugh or no Harbaugh with a roster that I think is going to lose 11 or 12 players to the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. And, again, player development, player evaluation, things that I have complimented here with you, they will be put to the test because um, this is a – Ohio State, Georgia, and Alabama recruit at a different level than anybody else in the country. And – they're not able to hold on to everybody. I mean, we see Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State in the por- players in the portal every single year. But it is at least a higher level of raw talent coming out of high school that makes the bedrock of your program. But to, to your point, Ohio State, what have they won recently or yeah. even in the big picture? So you can you know, point to the banners and the trophy case and, and talk about Ohio State falling short, and that is a fair compliment. But when we do these, you know, way too early. The reason why Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State is not necessarily just a, a blind, you know, throw them up there right. because they are who they are. Uh, it has to do with the way that they've been recruiting over a four-year cycle, and it's just different than everybody else in the country. Michigan is at 53% on the blue chip ratio. How many of your recruits over a four-year cycle are four or five stars compared to three stars or lower? Alabama's roster this year was at 90 I'll say it again. <laughs> Michigan was at 53% of its roster was a blue chip coming out of high school. They defeated a team in the Rose Bowl that had 90% of its roster <laughs> as blue chips coming into the season. Yeah, that just strengthens my argument that he's an elite coach. Uh, Chip Patterson joining us here on the Adam Gold Show. So it's the end of the four-team era. Uh, what are your thoughts on what we saw over the last decade? The playoff itself, um, the playoff itself did not provide a lot of great semifinals. It did this year, not <laughs> right. fantastic. 
and it did, you know, the the Rose Bowl between uh, Georgia and Oklahoma will always stand out as something that was, um, you know, really, really exciting. And in general, I thought that the semifinals usually were just basically providing us a, a championship game that we probably could have guessed or maybe could have picked out to begin with. I also think it probably, you know, set the set the stage for the bracket creep mm-hmm. that we have seen, uh, which is the expansion of the college football playoff. But I will say that the the thing that is going to be the most impactful moving forward is not necessarily a major advantage, but something that a lot of coaches learned. I think that Georgia learned it, Alabama learned it, Clemson learned it. Um, those schools that not only were uh, into the college football playoff but advancing to a national championship, they understood how to manage a 15-game schedule, and that impacted decisions that they were making in week six, seven, and eight. Um, the timeline that you're bringing guys back from injury, mm-hmm. the ways that you're trying to build out your depth. You know, we've got a team here in the Triangle in North Carolina that's got a couple of you know late-season collapses on their hands. God help that Tar Heels team if they had to play a, a 14th or a 15th game as well. Right. So those lessons are going to be even more important as we start to add one, uh, I think for sure, and then maybe even more games on top of that moving forward in the expanded playoff era. So you, it is going to impact the way that coaches coach and the way that players are managed all throughout the season because we saw some sloppy, sloppy football in the college football playoff. Mm-hmm. We saw some players that were just like dragging themselves across the finish line. Um, you know, I didn't go to the championship game this year. I went to the Sugar Bowl semifinal, but I've been to either a semifinal title game or both through most of the college football playoff era. And these guys are just beaten down. Yep. And so it's going to be a real test uh, for college football, for for our expectations as fans, for these college football teams to be sharp in an expanded college football playoff. It's going to be a big time ask and a challenge for these coaches to manage it along the way. Yeah, I mean that's the stuff that we have we have talked about. It's not just we should compensate these players. It's just it's it's also man, we are asking a ton from 20, 21-year-old guys uh, to play professional-length seasons. I realize there's no preseason games, but, man, uh, Washington won 15. Uh, Rather, Michigan won 15 games. Washington played 15. Like, there's two more games, potentially, for some of these teams. I mean, to, and I don't know if you saw Dylan hmm. Johnson, but Dylan Johnson's entire leg was an advertisement yeah. for eighth bandage. I mean, that guy was like <laughs> I held felt together by duct tape, and he's not the only one. No, I mean, of course just, not. You, you get close to these players at the end of the season. You get more access than you ever get because college football coaches are crazy, and you just see 20-year-olds and 21-year-olds mm-hmm. that are just worn down and given everything. And Yeah, yeah it's inspirational. But it's, it is a long, punishing college football season. And so uh, I'm, just, I'm just not expecting the sharpest football. No. I think it'll be a lot of – I think it'll be like the NBA playoffs, right? Don't we always say the NBA playoffs are often decided by who's healthiest? I think that will be the college football playoff result in the expanded era. 
it won't always be the best team from the regular season. It'll be whoever's healthier at the end of the year. No, I mean, I kind of think that's college football in general. It's not necessarily uh, like the best teams play at a high level most of the time. Uh, but I think that for the most part, it's a lot about managing mistakes in college football. And that's that's fair. Maybe you could say the same thing about the National Football League, which hasn't really been aesthetically pleasing a lot uh, over the last five, six, seven weeks uh, of this season. Did because your your general assessment, Chip Patterson is with us as always on a Wednesday. Your your assessment generally of the college football playoff era, I think, is accurate. That it gave us a lot of blowouts. There were a lot of non-competitive semifinal games. Sometimes it was a surprise, TCU over Michigan, right? Sometimes it was, although that was a competitive game, I guess uh, it just was an upset. But we've seen plenty of blowouts, which is why what happened to Florida State really rung hollow to me trying to prevent something that is almost impossible to prevent, the blowout. Um, did it end on a high note, though? Didn't the wave... Like, I hate to keep harping on this, but I really felt like they screwed it up at the end, even though they got two very compelling semifinal games and a relatively, I think, a very compelling, even though Michigan was clearly better than Washington... Uh, championship game, I thought they screwed it up in their last go-round. Nah, I, I don't think in a way that fans I, – I don't think it impacted fans in that way. Well, I don't, um, it, it doesn't have to impact fans. Fans are going to watch what fans are going to watch. I, I think they oh, screwed it up by, by ignoring Florida State's body of work. Are you ready for the big game? At The Designery, we can help you arrange your kitchen in the perfect way to feed everyone coming over for the big game. I'm Dana Merrill, the owner of The Designery in North Raleigh. And I am True Merrill. I am the project manager. The Designery is a lovely kitchen, bath, and closet remodeling company. We do pretty much any of the utility spaces in your house. If you want to store things in your cabinets, if you want to work on things on your countertops, if you want to uh, have a floor that can get wet or muddy, we're the place to help you fix your home up. We are the Designery North Raleigh, located at 3030 Wake Forest Road in the Holly Park Plaza. We would love to see you or visit our website at thedesignery.com. Um, I mean, I, we've said for more than a month that that's not the decision I would have made, but, um, you know, they won the Michigan won the college football invitational. So the voters, 61 AP voters just named them national champion. Let's, let's treat it like it's 1971 again, right? <laughs> that's, that's that's how we did it in college football, right? I don't, I don't, I think that what fans think do matter. So many decisions are being made by television executives, right. And for a television product, then uh, I kind of think what they were able to sell to a fan. Um, how about this? What they were able to sell to Missouri fans who were like, next year, guys. This is a playoff game. What they were able to sell to Ole Miss fans next year, this is a playoff game. People who are close to the playoff and are very much parroting all the talking points, they tell me things like an Ole Miss or a Missouri fan, um, and they don't single them out. I'm using them as the example. Right. That, that they are not as invested coming down the stretch of the season because they're not going to make the four-team playoff. But that in an expanded playoff era, Penn State, Ole Miss, Missouri, you know, they are dialed in because they are in the realm of sure. competing for a national championship in a way that they haven't before. Like, is it 
is it a way to change the way we talk about college football from December 20th to January 20th, which, by the way, is the length of the playoff from the first first-round mm-hmm. game to the championship game, one month of the <laughs> college football playoff? Yeah, totally changes the attention, the interest in that. But the thing that the power brokers have, have said to me is that we've started to see fan bases in the 14 playoff era really start to check out if they're in that middle ground where they're not making the playoff, they're not sweating the bowl games, and they're not firing their coach or anything like that. You know, those those teams that are right around that like nine ten win mark, you know, they they kind of have trouble. They they lose it a little bit, and so expanded playoff the way that it sold to me is going to have somebody like a Missouri fan, an Ole Miss fan, a Penn State fan, even more engaged with the sport because they're going to be included in the competition for the national championship. Yeah, I think we've just moved the line. I'm, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, I'm not moved at all by that. I think we've just moved the line. So we'll have different type, different uh, levels of team now not be, uh, you know, dialed in to the end. And, oh, by the way, it's supposed to be your job as the coach, as the coaching staff, to keep your, your team, your fans dialed in. Uh, but that's, that's another matter altogether. Do you think? Well, I'll say, th- I'll say this. You talk about the end of an era. Tom and I have been on this both online and offline that, we have been against college football playoff expansion. We have been yeah, disappointed I have been. by conference by conference realignment. But as we sit here, I, I am intrigued. I am engaged. I'm curious. I'm talking about college football in a different way than I ever have before. That when we talk about college football on a national level, when I'm talking about a playoff contender, it is a different conversation. And when I'm talking about the Big Ten – I'm talking about Oregon as a Big Ten title contender. You know, when I'm talking about the SEC, I'm trying to figure out where Texas fits and whether they get to go right into the top to the top floor or whether they've got to hang out with Ole Miss. (laughs) You know, sitting sitting there not quite in the top floor. And it's so different, it will be unrecognizable. But as somebody who's tasked with talking about this sport for twelve months a year, now that we've turned the page Part of me is a little bit excited just because I don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, we have we have new things to tell. It's definitely going to be new. And uh, look, college football is a story every single year. Uh, and even if you don't love the product, right? And I would put myself in the category of somebody who goes, "Man, that ain't great football." But it there is the storylines and the drama uh, and everything that goes into it creates a level of intrigue that people like me can find appealing. Again, even if, like, watching Michael Penix miss wide-open receivers, which we see routinely across college football basically every day, every day there, there are games, like, I don't want to see that. But there is a drama, a dramatic element to it that I find absolutely awesome. So I think we're going to have a lot of new things to discuss. Let me ask you this one question before we say goodbye. Chip Patterson, as always, you are the best. Do you think we end at, you? We don't think we end at 12. I don't think we end at 16. I think the final number of this, and who knows what the final number will be, I think it's 24. I think we're, we're, we're going to take a while to get to it, but at some point the system isn't going to look anything like we have today and I think the entirety will be about 24. 
I disagree because I think FBS plus is going to cut the number of teams playing for the same competition. I think it is more likely that we have two brackets and we have an NIT of sorts for another division. At 16, I do think Gene Smith, the outgoing athletic director at Ohio State, at one point in a very casual setting was like, yeah, I mean, 16, right? And everybody was like, yeah, 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 16. Mm -hmm. Whoa, this is when you're still sitting. And I was like, okay. So a lot of people are on this, and I hadn't thought about it. But I think that an expansion to 16 is something that I, I do think will happen at some point. But I don't think we'll get to 24 because I think that we're, we're going to be in a position where the total level of, of teams that are competing at the very, very highest level, you know, which right now is 133, I think that that's going to shrink. Mm-hmm. And then as that shrinks, there's not really a reason at that point for further expansion. Premier League. We're going to have a Premier League. That's what I think we're going to have in college football. I don't, and I don't, and, and we will have a, I think, a larger playoff. I, I don't think it's, it's going to be recognizable. Uh, Chip, I appreciate your time as always, and we will talk to you next week. Sounds good. Y'all be well. It's Chip Patterson here on the Adam Gold Show. Um, the reason why I don't believe we're going to stop at twelve or sixteen is because ultimately. The entirety of the college football season is going to be about the postseason. Everything else is going to be, yeah, people are going to watch because that's that's what they do. But the real money, the real money, not the, hey, five million people watched. The real money is going to be in the playoffs. See how many people watched? The uh, was it the the last and it was it the Bills and the Dolphins like thirty five. I don't have any. The NFL is the only entity that sees, I mean, massive rises in ratings. Tons, right? Uh, the average NFL game, which includes Panthers Saints on a random Sunday afternoon, the average NFL game drew like seventeen and a half million people. We don't get that. For World Series Game 7. No. College football is the number two sport on TV. Because of that, and because every the networks all know who's watching and how many people are watching, yeah, we're going to get as many playoff games as we can cram in. I think the number ends at 24. Yeah. Well, I know the Pop-Tart Bowl had 4.5. Three one million. Yep. So that was the largest audience of the bowl yeah. season but when, at that point. Oh, when you when you have an edible mascot. I mean, yeah. Come on. End and he was dis- dancing around. It end of fantastic. discussion. Cheez It doesn't want to have any part of it. Nope. Duke's Mayo. Not either. I mean, they're try. <laughs> They'll try. Will Levis will be always rooting for the Duke's Mayo Bowl, <laughs> but the Pop Tart Bowl will win. The the Mayo pour. <laughs> No, yeah. we got it. We can't do that. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're going to, oh my God, I don't even know what to do now. I chose William Peace because of the personalized education it offers, which allows students to truly know their professors. It's really possible to make genuine connections with your professors and learn intentionally here and dive deep into what you're passionate about. 
A 12 to 1 student to faculty ratio is just one of the many reasons students choose William Peace University. Extra attention starts day one for career planning with their Career Services Center. Find out all they have to offer at peace.edu. 